Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Luke, chapter number 12. Yes, they're bringing that pulpit forward. Here we go. Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody in the house of God here today. Hallelujah. Glad to see many that are that were out traveling on Mother's Day. Glad to see them back in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hope you enjoyed your time with your mothers, your family. You know, I think that's right and in order. I know some places just you you you're straight to the pit if you miss church. And uh, though we do believe in not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, we also believe that family is the core of just about everything we are and everything we do. So moments like that are very, very important. Hallelujah. But it's good to have everybody back in the house of God. Luke chapter number, let's see if I pull this up, 12. I want to make mention for those that have been out a little bit, we are making an announcement that uh, our service schedule, we've been saying this for a little while, but our service schedule will be changing uh, as of the first Sunday of June. We will no longer have teaching and preaching on that uh, Sunday service from that point forward, uh, but we will have teaching on Wednesday nights, so we have Wednesday night Bible study, and guess what? We'll have Bible study. Now, that doesn't mean we won't preach here and there, and and uh, it, it might just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I might come in like uh, a bat out of Hades, hallelujah. But uh, regardless, uh, we're going to have a wonderful time. The benefit of this is the fact that we're going to be able to be a lot more effective with our guests and our visitors. Hallelujah. Uh, all of our Sunday school kids will be able to come together, uh, both those that are church kids and visitor kids, and hopefully develop lifelong friendships, and, and we'll see some of these kids uh, get saved and stay saved and become part of the church. So it's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. We've got um, some new church cards that are on their way with the new service times. We've got new signage on its way with the new church times. And so uh, just be aware of that. Uh, again, this is to help us progress and to move forward in, 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 in the kingdom of God. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 42. Hallelujah. Luke 12 and 42. The Bible says, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portions of meat in due season? Blessed is, this, is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, find him so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. He said, who is the servant that the Lord is going to make ruler over everything? And he said, him that come, when Jesus comes or when the master comes, he sees him so doing what he was told to do in the first place. And he said, that's the individual that's going to be ruler over anything. So if we could break it down into modern English, he said, the one that's been faithful over the little will be made ruler over much. And I want to teach us for a few, a few moments tonight on excellence in leadership. Excellence in leadership. Would you set your Bibles down, lift up your hands, and let's pray? Oh, come on, let's pray all across the building. I feel a, a wonderful spirit of God in this house. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for wonderful people of God that have come to learn and to grow in God's Word. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, God. And we're going to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise before we are seated. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God. excellence in leadership. Now, I will preface this here today. I, I am aware of the time. It is 7.30 for all the clock watchers out there. Uh, I figure what we'll do is 
is next time we'll just put a clock back here so it's easier so you don't have to get a kink in your neck looking at the clock. So we'll make sure to do that. But I am aware of the time. However, I, I do feel the necessity to teach about leadership. And, and the reason behind this is because in the kingdom of God, everybody that's been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost has a calling to be a leader. Uh, just, just like when you were, you were born, I want, you to, I want you to know that there were some things that were predetermined before you were born. You didn't choose what family you were born into. You didn't choose what color hair you would have. You didn't choose what color your skin would be. When you were born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, you immediately placed yourself in a different category. The category is that those that are born again will have the responsibility or the ability to lead those that have not been born again. And so everyone that's been born again of water and of spirit, you have a leader on the inside of you. Well, I don't feel like a leader, preacher. That's all right. You are a leader. Well, I don't, I don't always act like a leader. That's all right. That's why we're talking about this here tonight. You are a leader just from your very new birth experience. Hallelujah. But with, with the concept of leadership, We've got to talk about the fact that there is a lot of misinformation about leadership. Um, you know, and often the reason behind that is there's a miseducation of leadership. There is, uh, there is something that was set in the view of people or up in their eyes that this is what leadership is. And so people have glanced at it, looked at it, and said, okay, well, I want what I perceive at this moment. But truthfully when you get a little closer and dig a little deeper in the bible you'll find that often we've we've been given uh, a really a very blurry image of leadership uh, often we've just seen one portion we've seen it in 2d not 3d we've not seen it uh, up close and from every angle we've just seen uh, a lot of times people will say well i want to be a leader because i saw that person as a leader I want to be a leader because I saw this happen for that person. Or uh, there's some folks that want to be a leader because they see somebody get up in front of a crowd and move a whole group of people, and they don't know why they want that, but there's something inside them that draws towards that. Uh, I'm not saying it's all wrong, but often they see the fruit of a leader, and that's what they're looking for. And, and, and so they go about leadership all the wrong ways, trying to get the fruit of leadership, but they didn't see the root of leadership. And that's really what we got to talk about here today. Hallelujah. But there's been a misconception of leadership in a lot of our minds. Um, and sometimes that stems from miseducation. But often it stems from mistreatment from another leader. And so because there was mistreatment from other leaders, uh, often it leads to mistrust and a misconception of all leadership. And so uh, you can see this in life. There's people that have been abused by their parents, neglected, and, and all these other things. And so now every time somebody's in a position of authority or leadership, they wince at the idea of a leader. Well, ultimately, that's, that's miseducation of leadership. That's a misconception or misperception of leadership. Because just because one leader did you wrong doesn't mean leadership is wrong. Amen. And so I know what it is to come in and, and, and come to church and people say, God's your father. And I thought to myself, man, I, I don't need another one of those, right? That's how some of us grew up. Uh, you know, some people, they just grew up where it was just, you know, fluffy bunnies and cupcakes. And, man, they hear about, oh, God's my father. And they're like, yes, this is awesome. But for the rest of us, we have been miseducated because of an abusive leader. And, and there's others that maybe they've had run-ins with the, with the law. And, and officers have mis mistreated them or uh, other people have and, and, and that's a big subject in our in our generation that there are people that have had one bad experience and so it sends a shadow over all their other experiences but I want you to know that when we look at leadership or when you look at a leader in general you cannot view them through a hurt lens because if we view people through our hurt lens everybody's done wrong and, and, and everybody's out to get us, and everybody's out to hurt us. But I want to let you know that if we have the true biblical definition of leadership, nobody's there to hurt you. They're there to help you. They are not there to beat you. They are there to pick you up when you fall down. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. So 
I know that leadership is a very large subject in the Bible. It's a very large subject in, in, in life, so I don't claim to have a corner on it or to figure it all out. But uh, I do want to take and, and go through a few things here tonight that I find in the Bible that I feel would be very beneficial to us. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5. This will go along the lines of our, our opening text. One of the misconceptions of leadership is that I just obtain leadership. There's, no, there's nothing that happens. It just happens. I just become a leader. Uh, but, but from our very opening text, we find that there was something that the servant did that the ruler of the house saw. This is somebody that I can make ruler over everything. Uh, and the fact was that he was willing to do the little things. And let me help somebody. Uh, if you are not willing to do the littlest of things, you are not ready for leadership. Amen. Let me just help you out. Some people think that leaders are the ones that charge into battle and they kill Goliath and they get all the glory and they get the limelight and they see the fruit. But if you were to really look back on David's life, you would see the root was he took care of sheep that were not his own. They were his father's. He was in the battle or on his way to the battle because his dad told him to take his brother's cheese, bread, and wine. So now he's doing something his dad told him to do, and he's on his way to a battle that is not his to serve his brothers. And he could think to himself, I'm anointed king. I'm called to be a leader. I, I, don't, I don't think that this is right. I should, I should be able to just be put into a position, and I should just get a title, and I should just get there, no problems. But David had a revelation. It's going to be taking care of little sheep that's going to make me king. It's going to be taking little bread, little cheese, little wines to my brethren and serving one another, and then I get to be king, and then I get the limelight of slaying Goliath. And so to be a true leader, you've got to be somebody who's willing to be uh, under, behind the scenes and under the dirt and, and in a position where nobody sees you, but when the master comes back, he finds you so doing the little things. And in doing the little things, we are blessed to do great things. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5. This is a little bit of the root right here. Likewise, you younger, submit yourself unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. I'm going to tell you right now, being in leadership, you've got to, every day, I promise, every day I've got to pray about it. God, help me to be clothed in humility. For God resists the proud. How many wants God to resist them? Okay, there's one person. <laughs> Nobody in this building in their right mind wants God to resist them. Everybody wants God to bless them, right? Amen. But the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then he gives an answer. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. How do you get into leadership? Is it based on who you know? No. Is it based on, on any external thing? No. Is it based on your bloodline? No. When you are submitted unto your brethren, when you are submitted one to another, when we, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, it is through humility that we are exalted. I want to start by saying this. Leadership is not a title. It is a behavior. And those that have got it flip-flopped and messed up, they will see it as a position or as a title, and they will chase vehemently after that title or after that position, thinking that will satisfy their needs, but it does not. Leadership begins with the person not the position. It starts on the internal, not the external. Personal development makes a leader, not a title. You can slap a title on somebody, but if they've not gone through the personal development, they are not a true biblical leader. Man, you can have a title, but if you've not gone through that time of personal development where you've humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. And let me stop right there for a moment and tell somebody, there's a big difference between humbling ourselves and God humbling us. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now, I'd rather come to the place where I humble myself under God's mighty hand than God put his hand on me in a way I don't like and humble me. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. 
But he starts off by letting us know that we've got to, it starts with humility and it starts with submission. And, and let me help somebody. Submission is when you don't agree. Submission never comes into play when you're in agreement. That's not submission. That's just being okay with it. That's agreeing. That's walking together in the same path and being on the same page. That's not submission. But submission starts when you don't agree. Submissions, submission is obedience with a good attitude. We've talked about this before, but we'll talk about it again. If you tell your child to clean their room, and they, they huff and they puff and they storm in their room, and they clean their room, they have been obedient, but they have not been submitted. But the submitted child will say, you know what, you're right, my room's dirty. And they'll go and say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. They go clean their room, they take care of it. And that's no different with God's people. Uh, if God comes by and says, hey, I want you to do this. Well, I'm a little bit better than that. I deserve more than that. I deserve to go here and to go there. If we're not careful, God's got to humble us. Amen. That's the Naaman mentality. The Naaman mentality was he wanted, God told him through the man of God, you go wash yourself in the Jordan River seven times. You dip yourself under and then you'll be healed. And he walks away huffing and puffing saying, I thought that there's better rivers in Damascus. And I thought the man of God would come by and do some great mighty prayer. And all these things would happen. And this little Jewish girl rose up and said, you know, if he'd asked you to do something small or something great, you would have done it. You know why he would have done it? Because he would have got the credit. Oh, hallelujah. A lot of people want to be in leadership so they can get glory, so they can get credit. But that's the wrong reason for leadership. Hallelujah. God wants to know if we're willing to humble ourselves, get down in the Jordan River seven times, and in that process, our leprosy is cleansed. In that process, we really do the will of God because we're willing to do the little things. We've got a right spirit. We've got a right attitude. Is it any wonder David said, create me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me? A man after God's own heart had to, in a leadership position, say, God, create a clean heart in me and renew a right spirit because it's so easy to get the wrong spirit. But I don't want God to humble me. I want to get down, humble myself so God can exalt me. Somebody clap your hands and worship him. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it starts with personal development. It starts with humility. It starts with submission. And submission, uh, for those that think they can be a leader without submission, it is impossible. God will not make anybody that's not submitted a leader, period. It will not happen because that's not what God exalts. Anybody who exalts themselves, the Bible says God will abase them. So God's actually got the flip-flop. He's got it opposite. He will push those down that have pushed themselves up. And he will lift up those that are humble. And he will grab those that have become abased. And he will exalt them. Hallelujah. Proverbs 27 and 2. So we're talking about humility. We're talking about submission. Let me go through a few other things here. Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. A stranger and not thine own lips. Let me put it this way. Leaders don't self-promote. They just work themselves into their promotion. Others or God should exalt you, not you yourself. If you've got to prop yourself up to be a leader in your own eyes, uh, I just want to let you know that it won't last very long. But when God exalts, he doesn't have to abase. When God comes through and says, you're a leader, that means God's made you a leader. When God comes by Gideon and says, you're a mighty man of valor, he's already saw the right ingredients in you to make a leader out of you. Amen. Now, I understand there's times for testimonies. There's times we've got to say some certain things to build faith and build uh, all these, you know, uh, sometimes you've got to build credibility. I get that. I'm not talking about that. But, you know, there's, there's other times where some people say, well, I deserve to be in this position or in this title. Uh, you know, really what this verse is saying is let your work speak for itself. Just, just, just get, in the, get in the plow, grind out a ministry, grind out a work for God, and let God exalt you. Uh, I'll, I'll put it this way again, uh, uh, just a, a slight testimony helps somebody out before I went evangelizing. I, I said, God, you're going to have to open up the door. It's going to have to be somebody I've never spoke with. I wasn't going to make a phone call, send a letter. Now, I know other guys that do it that way. That's fine. And, that, of course, I'm talking about ministry there. But I made it up in my mind, God, I want to know it's the hand of God. I want to know it's you exalting. I want to know that it's you. So I made it up in my mind, I'm not going to lift myself up to seem, I'm not going to build my own personal brand. 
Can I help somebody? <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, you ever been, anybody ever been to Houston? Okay. Well, there's, there's a church there called Lakewood, right? That's Joel Osteen's church. But I drove by there one time. And, of course, we know he doesn't preach the truth, so we got to pray that God will save him uh, and that God will save everybody there. But, but I drove by there, and there was this little tiny thing on the front that said Lakewood Church. You could barely read it from, the, from the, the freeway. But you drove by, and there was this big old sign that said Joel Osteen. That's a self-promoter. And God, doesn't, God does not promote a self-promoter. God does not look at that as being something that, well, I deserve to be a leadership. Let me just post all my qualifications in this giant indeed right here for, for church leadership and, and give all my reasons why I deserve this, that, and the other. God doesn't exalt that. God promotes, not man. Hallelujah. Proverbs 18 and 16. And this will help. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. If God has gifted you, if God has anointed you, if God has called you, you don't got to get frustrated where you are and think that you deserve more. If that gift is truly there, there will be a room made for you. Oh, hallelujah. I want to be a leader. I want to be in this title, in this position. If you want to get there, if God has truly put the calling there and God has truly put the gifting there, you can sit back, work your tail off, and trust that God will open those doors. You don't have to push them open. You don't have to kick them open. You don't have to get some C4 and blow it open. God will open those doors. Let me help somebody. Age, experience, gifting, and abilities, they might get you in the room, but that doesn't always make you a leader. Your gift might make room for you, but your character will keep you in that room. I, I, I know a lot of people that have gotten in the door. Uh, at certain certain levels of leadership, whether it's on again, this is church leadership, this is uh, ministry leadership, this is even at your job. I've seen people that have gotten their foot in the door and then quickly stuffed their foot in their mouth. <laughs> Anybody ever met somebody like that? Okay. Anybody ever been that person? All right. Well, there are people that will get in the door because they're talented, anointed, gifted, whatever the case may be, and quickly because they don't have the right personal development. They don't have the right level of humility. They don't have the right level of character. They'll get in that door and think, man, the door open, and they'll get kicked out as fast as they got in. But I want to get into the room and stay in the room. How about you? Hallelujah. Because position or title without character is short-lived. Because some people live their whole lives for a title or a position. They finally get it, and they realize they don't have the character to sustain it, and they quickly lose the title and position they've been working for all their life. Let me prove it. you you got to have a right spirit, or God will not anoint your leadership. There was a man in the Bible. He was a king by the name of Saul. And Saul could not, he did not have the right character to keep him as king. And God said, removed his anointing off of somebody that he placed his anointing on. This is somebody that God chose out of all of Israel. I'm going to choose a man who is head and shoulders above all. But because he did not have the right character, because he had not learned to listen to God in the little areas, God told him uh, to, to take care of the Amalekites, and he would not do it because he didn't think it was that big of a deal. And God said, okay, I'm done with you. And then later we find that Saul dies with an Amalekite on his back. The very thing he would not take care of ended up taking care of him. And so uh, Saul ended up getting an evil spirit after this whole moment. He got the anointing lifted off of him, and he ended his life with an evil spirit talking to witches instead of talking to God. Uh, let me just put this little plug out there uh, as far as the church is concerned. We do not want any rotten-spirited leaders. Uh, amen. We want anointed leaders. We want, hallelujah. Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was more gifted, more talented, more anointed. I know a lot of churches that will, will lift people up because their gifts, their abilities, and their talents. But I want ARC to know publicly, we do not exalt gifts, talents, and abilities. We exalt character. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. With that being said, if you, if you don't have the character or the right spirit, if, if there is something that is going on 
And there's moments you got to take, take a break and be real with yourself and say, you know what, I got in this room, I'm not ready for this room. I got in this title, I got in this position, I'm not ready for it. I got into this mode of life, I'm not ready for it. A true leader will say, you know what, I'm going to remove myself for a moment. I'm going to work on personal development so that I can get back in that position and I can do it right. Uh, because God cares about us having a right attitude. God is, God is just as interested, if not more interested, in how we do something than the fact that we do it. He's caring about the fact that we're not just obedient, but we've got a right spirit about it. Hallelujah. Matthew 23 and 11. Hallelujah. Hope this is all right. Matthew 23, 11. But he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself, we just talked about that, shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. What are we talking about? We don't exalt all those other things. The world might exalt somebody for their talents and their abilities. You could sing like a canary, but if your spirit's not right, we just can't use that in the church. Because we're interested. Hey, listen, somebody who's got a right spirit like David, he can play an evil spirit off of a saw. But if David's got as rotten of a spirit as Saul, he can't remove anything. We want people that are, and I get it, people have struggles, and I don't want to ever seem judgmental. People have struggles, they have issues, but, and they have their bad days. We all do. But we don't want somebody up all the time singing, playing X, Y, or Z, leading, running this, running that, doing this, doing that, and, and, and having an, a spirit that is not right. Because if they do that, we're not blessing our city. We're not blessing our church. And we want to be a blessing. But he said this, he said, Who is the great, whoever's the greatest among you? We think the greatest among you has, has the position, the title. Did you know uh, that, that there's some positions that are paid positions? Yeah. I was a youth pastor for three and a half years. Oh, it was a paid position. I paid for this. I paid for that. I paid for this. I paid for that. Anybody ever been in leadership? You know, it, it's, it's, it's really, that's what it is. So, in other words, i got people that will ask, you know, ask themselves the question, what's in it for me? That's the world's question. What's in it for me? And if you come into the church and, and you look at a title and position and you have that question in your mind, what's in it for me, then leadership probably isn't for you. Leadership is not about you. It's not about me. Leadership is actually quite the opposite. It is to benefit others. Leadership is about, get this, ready? Other people. Wow. It's about somebody else. Because truthfully, leaders are able to push aside themselves. And they're able to push aside their own desires. Listen, I, I get it. We all have preferences. We all have, we all do. I do. But there's times I have to push those away because it's not about me. I have to say, you know, this is what we're going to do. I don't really want to do it, but we're going to do it anyways because it's not about me. I'm here to serve. I'm not. Uh, and those that want to be exalted, the best way to be exalted is find somebody to serve. Hallelujah. If leadership is about you, then you are in leadership for the wrong reasons. We all know a leader. They got there so they can be empowered over everyone else. You know the person, they were your best friend until they became your leader. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they come by and they got their thumb on you. I'm watching you. They got into leadership for the wrong reasons. They didn't get in there. Now, that, that, with that being said, there's times where even the person that was your friend has to come by and tell you, as a leader, you got to do X, Y, and Z, and you don't like them anymore. But you got to love them because they're telling you the truth. Hallelujah. We are in leadership to serve, not to be served. And, and I told some of the cadets, some of the young men, I appreciate, you know, taking coat, all that stuff. I understand that's right and in order, but the truth is I'm here to serve the church, not vice versa. I didn't come to Carson to be served. I didn't come to have my feet washed. I came to wash feet. Hallelujah. And uh, in Jesus' name, God bless y'all. Hallelujah. Genesis 39. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in prison. And whatsoever they did that they did there, he was the doer of it. Let me just stop right there and give you a very strong leadership principle that my pastor gave me a long time ago. He said, if anything goes wrong, it's leadership's fault. Well, how many wants to be a leader now? Like one or two, all right. 
Because everybody likes to get the credit, but nobody wants to take the blame. And Adam would say, it's the woman you gave to me. Push the blame. Let me tell you right now, if you want to be a leader, you better have some thick skin. You better have some thick skin because there's going to be a lot of people under you do a lot of dumb things. And guess who takes the repercussions of it? Not them. You. Me. And the rest of us that are trying to do right. We're the Josephs. And sometimes you're not taking care of people that are, that are lawyers and doctors. You're taking care of prisoners that already have a problem with authority. And you're, you're trying to rack your brain and say, how am I going to lead these people? And how is it my responsibility? I'll tell you what, there is a leadership principle right here. And he's saying that whatever happened, it was as if Joseph was the one that had done it. In other words, a leader is someone who admits mistakes. A leader is someone who takes responsibility, even if it's not your fault. Amen. Ask yourself these questions. How can I lead them better? I'm always asking myself when something goes wrong, God, how can I lead better? I'm not saying those dogs and those devils. And I know there's, there's nimwits everywhere. But at the same time, God, how can I lead people? How can I help people? A leader doesn't make excuses. Everybody's got an excuse. And the truth is, most excuses are valid. Everybody's got an excuse. Well, this happened and that happened. Uh, but excuses don't make you a better leader. You just simply apologize you fix it, and you tell them, I'll do a better job next time. A leader says, yeah, that was my bad. They take the credit. They take the blame. They take it all. Hallelujah. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Hallelujah. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he, that he, that may, he may run that readeth it. As a leader, communication is key. This does not mean you're on the phone or texting all day long. I'm not that type of person anyways. I believe you just tell people, you teach people, you tell them, you tell them, you tell them, you tell them, and then you let them go do it. And it's up to them to do it. But you got to set clear expectations of those underneath your leadership. Again, uh, some people say, well, I don't really have anybody under my leadership. Well, then take this, pocket it, and say, one day, one day, I'm going to have this. I got five smooth stones from the preacher, and I'm going to use one of them one day. Uh, and you got to pocket it, and you got to realize that as a leader, you've got to communicate. That's what we're doing here tonight. Did you know that? That's what we're doing on Wednesday nights. We're communicating. We're effectively communicating. Well, you never said it, preacher. You never said it, pastor. I, well, if you go back and, and go back through some of the, the sermons, some of the messages, some of the things, it was set very clearly what is expected. Uh, a friend of mine said this phrase to me and it impacted me very, uh, very powerfully. He said, I inspect what I expect. And if you don't set clear expectations, you really can't inspect a whole lot. And that's why it's okay to take time and to set clear expectations. That's why we're doing that here tonight. Well, you never said it. Well, I talked about leadership. We went and we slowed down and we talked. And, well, I fell asleep halfway through. That's all right. Go back and listen to it later. Uh, but there comes a moment where somebody will be in a position or in a leadership quality or, or position. And I'll have to come by and say, you know, that's really not leadership quality. Well, you, you can't tell me that. Well, actually, I told you six months ago, Right. Or you can set expectations, tell somebody, you need, can, can you do this? Can you take care of that? Um, and and let, me, let me just help somebody out that is aspiring to be a leader. If somebody asks you to do something, you don't need 50 reminders. Hallelujah. I'm not out here by myself, am I? If your sister Worley, do your kids need 50 reminders? They probably do, but, you know, that's just kids in general. But as, as, as they grow, they don't need as many reminders, right? Well, well in church... Some people need reminders every five minutes. No, you're leaders. You're leaders. And guess what? God's going to come by and inspect what he's expected because God's word's very explicit and true. And so leaders in the kingdom of God don't need 50 million reminders. It's been said one time. That should be enough. God said it. There we go. Let's go. And, and, and that is what's going to help the church go to another level right there. That's what's going to help us grow as leaders because that's going to help us develop other leaders. 
if, if there's a leader that you ask him to do this or you tell him to do that, I've been there already, and I've asked certain things, and I wait, and I don't say anything. I just wait, and a week will go by, two weeks will go by, a month will go by, and I actually watch, and it doesn't get done. Down the road, I will come by and say, hey, I asked this to be done three months ago. Well, where was my reminder? I believe you to be a good enough leader. You don't need a reminder. Hallelujah. And... And that is how you develop more leaders. You set the expectation, and you believe in them to be the leader that God has called them to be. And somebody said amen. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. This goes right in line with what I just said. But let your communication be yea, yea, or yes, yes. No, no, or nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. For those that don't know what yes means or no means, you're not headed down the right path. You've got to be somebody who understands what yes means. In other words, be a man or a woman of your word. As a leader, if you have agreed to do something, you do it. If you promise to do something, you do it. You don't need a reminder. You don't need anybody telling you. Your yes was yes. And, and you, you, don't, you don't remove yourself from your post if you've made the agreement to be at your post. If you know I have made the agreement to be there on time, hallelujah, let me help somebody, on time, dressed right, living right, with a right spirit, then you're, it, is, it is the leader's responsibility, yourself, to make sure that your yes is yes. Now, I understand, if you can't do it, then let your no be no. That's okay. Did you know you can say no? Let me help some leaders out there. They only know the word yes. Can you do this? Yes. And usually they say 20% of the church does 80% of the work. I think it's probably skewed and in, in some churches it's more, some churches it's less. But the truth is the people that are in that 20 percentile, they're the kind of people, you know why they keep getting asked to do more? Because they say yes. <laughs> Half of the battle is showing up. Half of the battle is saying yes. If you want to be used of God, you know what you say? Yes, 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 I'll be used of God. Now, for those that are in that 20 percentile, because some people got the no down. They got the no down. Hey, can you be there? Nope. Okay. I didn't even get to tell you what I was going to do. I was going to give out free pizza. Can you do that? Nope. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, that person needs to learn yes. The person that's always saying yes, there are moments where you've got to say no because your family is, is, is suffering. You need to take time out. That's okay. That's right. Somebody somebody help me out right now. It's all right. It's all right to say no. But for the 80%, it's okay to say yes. Oh, somebody say amen. If you want to be used of God, if you want to be used in the church, start saying yes. Start saying, how can I help? Don't watch other people do all the work and go, they could have done that better. There's a lot of critics in the church. There are. You know, you, you know what we should do? They got a lot of ideas. Well, help the rest of us out with what we are doing, and then maybe we'll get to that. Because if we turn this thing from 80-20 into 100% participation, I promise we'll get a whole lot more done. Somebody said amen. So if you're a man or a woman of your word, you'd be better off doing something without announcing it than announcing it and not doing it. I'll be there. Anybody ever felt like that? I'll be there. And then you wait for them, and they're not there. Or you expect them there, and they don't show up. You'd be better off just saying, you know, I can't make it, I can't do it, than to say, I'll be there. and Because, you know, nobody wants to hurt anybody else's feelings. But as a leader, sometimes you've got to say no. And other times you've got to say yes. Somebody said amen. Proverbs 16 and 32. For those clock watchers, I've been going for 30 minutes. 33 if you want to be exact. Proverbs 16 and 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit is better than he that takes a city. Let me help somebody out as a leader. Being controlling is different than being in control. Let me say that again. Being controlling is different than being in control. We've got to know the difference. Some people think leadership is when they're controlling everybody. Don't you do that. Don't you wear those color shoes. Uh, let me help somebody that has that mentality. Uh, let me pastor. You go ahead and do your job. I'll do mine. Hallelujah. But anyway, 
I'll leave that there. We cannot control others at all times, but we can remain in control of ourselves and our duties, and we can control our spirit. And in controlling our spirit, you will develop respect of everybody underneath you, and they are often more willing to follow somebody who's in, hey, if you're the type of person who's in leadership and always flies off the handle at everybody, nobody's going to want to serve underneath you. If, they, if you always got to beat everybody up to get them to do it, you're not really leading. You're kind of abusive, and there's a big difference. Amen. But God wants leaders, not abusers. Hallelujah. Proverbs 22 and 29. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. This kind of goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. A man diligent in his business. So when the master comes back, he sees him so doing. But notice how he says a man diligent in his business. In other words, not diligent in everybody else's business. A leader's not not going into everybody else's business because they're too busy working on their own. Hallelujah. But also, what this is telling us is a very, very strong principle. Being busy is not the same as being effective. There's some people, they're, they're, they, are, they are in business or whatever the case may be, but they've not honed it in. They're not diligent in their own business. They've got a lot of things going on, but they've not, they've not sharpened their axe down to a point. They've not got their spear down to a point. And so they become real busy, and they're always busy, 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 because it's possible to do a lot of work but never accomplish what's necessary. And as a leader, you've got to learn to shave off other things that are not your business. And you've got to be willing to say, you know what, that's not my that's not what I can handle or what I can work on. So I got to be diligent in what I can affect. I can. I got to be diligent in what I can do. And and I can't get into all these other battles because if I get in all these other battles, I'll miss out on the war and I won't realize that God had a very specific job for me as a leader. Somebody said, "Amen." You got to diligently be working on your business, working to improve. And when you are working on your business, God will exalt you into other things as well. Hallelujah. Just a few principles of leadership. I want to talk for a moment about three ingredients of an effective leader. Hebrews chapter 13 and 7. Hallelujah. Three ingredients of an effective leader. Number one, having a mentor or someone above you. Or what, I, what my pastor always said, a Paul above you. A Paul above you. Hebrews chapter 13 and 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. In other words, what that's saying is, it's saying imitate and emulate your, your leadership. Good leaders are good followers. Let me help somebody. If you can't follow anybody, you're not going to be a good leader. It takes humility. We've got to be humble. We've got to be willing to follow somebody else. We've got to be willing to have somebody over us that can give, the Bible says, an account, not just for our souls, but sometimes in leadership. You've got to have somebody that can give account over what you've been doing. Uh, to be effective as a leader, we've got to understand the power of a good followership. Some people don't succeed as a leader because they never learned how to follow. If you always got to be the type of leader that's in charge before you participate, you are not truly a leader. You've actually become a power junkie. If you're the type of person that no one can be over you, you have to be over everyone else. That's not leadership. That's dictatorship. And there's a big difference right there. Everybody's got to have somebody over them. This is an ingredient of a good leader. Everybody, from me to you to everybody, everyone's got to have someone over them that can speak into their life. And that person might be older than you. That person might be younger than you. They might have more experience, less experience. None of that is important. It's, it's, it's important that we have somebody that is over, that can watch over us and say, I don't know about that. 
And if you can say in your life, there's nobody in my life that can tell me X, Y, or Z, you got to hit a prayer room, you got to hit an altar, you got to find out what you got to do because that is important in being a leader. Levi was cursed by his, his father because what he had done uh, to the sons of Shechem. But you see that later, when, when all of Israel is rising up against Moses, he, they, Moses says, who's on the Lord's side? And it was Levi that stepped forth. And Levi changed his destiny in one moment by choosing to be on Moses' side, by choosing to be on the Lord's side, by choosing to have somebody over him. Because everybody was saying, we don't need Moses over us. We don't need anybody over us. And Moses said, Levi, I want you to know every one of your descendants has got a place in the ministry. In other words, only those that are on God's side truly can be in God's leadership. In other words, if you're not helping God out, you probably don't belong in leadership. If you're not helping me out, I really can't use you as a leader as I'd like to. Some people, if you're not on my side and I'm trying to be on God's side, I understand there's moments of disagreement that happens with everybody. But if you're not on my side, I can't really use you as a leader because how can two walk together except they be agreed? And when we have the same purpose, I promise we're going to do great things. Somebody lift up your hands and let's worship the Lord for just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. Let's pray for just a moment. There's some folks, I'm telling you, God wants to exalt you. God wants to use you. But you got to be willing to follow somebody. You got to be, if you can't follow me, then you need to go somewhere where you can follow somebody. If you can't follow me, then go ahead. We'll bless you. We'll be behind you. But you got to find somebody that you can follow because we want to see every life blessed. Amen. Let me just help somebody. If you can't follow me as your pastor, you need to go find a new pastor. That's no hard feelings. We'll bless. We'll pray. But the truth is, God has called me here. God has called me to this assembly, and I'm doing my best to follow God. And if people can't follow me, that's all right. That's fine. No hard feelings. you got to go somewhere where you can follow. Hallelujah. In other words, you got to have a Paul above you. you got to have somebody that can speak into your life. Being a leader does not mean you're the best. It just means you know how to surround yourself with the best. You don't have to be number one. You just have to know how to gather people that can help you, that can speak into your life. In other words, we've got to be as good leaders of God. We've got to learn from others and grow. Amen. So you've got to have somebody above you. Next, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16. Galatians 4 and 16. You've got to have a Paul above you. You've got to have somebody that's, that is above you, a mentor, somebody that can help you. And, and let me help somebody. If you're an usher and you want to be a better usher, go find you an usher that's doing a real excellent job and say, can I learn from you? If you want to be a preacher, go find a preacher and say, I want to be a good preacher. If you want to be a good guitar player, you go find Brother Johnson and say, teach me how to be a good guitar player. You want to be a good singer, a good musician, a good leader, you go find somebody and let them speak into your life. Hallelujah. But also, there is another element. you got to have a peer. You gotta have somebody on your level. You gotta have a Peter beside you. Galatians 4 and 16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You gotta be careful that you view of viewing people as your enemy if they're telling you the truth. Because not everybody telling you the truth is your enemy. In fact, the person that tells you the most truth, the truth is probably your friend. Some people refuse to have anyone on their level. They're only good when someone's above them. Or below them but the truth is you need someone on your level that can give you honest feedback you need somebody that's right where you are been there going through it with you that can come by and 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 get alongside you encourage you correct you you need somebody like that because there's always room for improvement the person that loves you the most will tell you the most truth let me help somebody out constructive criticism is a blessing not an attack if somebody comes by and says, you know, bro, I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's not an attack. It is constructive criticism. Now, let me help somebody out that's just got the spirit of criticism, and they're just real good at that. They got the ministry of criticism. Uh, I, I Notice how I preface it with constructive criticism, not destructive criticism. 
I know a lot of people that can always tell you what's wrong, but nobody can tell you what to do to improve it, to make it right. Hallelujah. If it's just criticism for the malicious sake of criticizing, that's not love anyways. But if somebody's on your level, somebody's a peer of yours, and they could say, hey, I, you know, this is, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, let, me, let me talk about it this way from a biblical standpoint. There was Paul and Barnabas. And Paul said, we're not going to take John Mark with us because he's, he's a failure and he's this and he's got all these things because one mistake John Mark made. And yet Barnabas looks at Paul as the person that he brought into the church as, an, as somebody who used to murder the church and he vouched for him. See, we often forget what somebody else has done for us so we won't do it for others. But he looks at him and says, Paul, don't you realize that you made mistakes, you messed up, and I vouched for you, but now you become a spiritual giant, and you're too far above everybody that even Barnabas couldn't speak into his life. Paul reached a level where even his peer couldn't tell him the truth. And so the Bible says the contention was so great, they split one from another. And Paul took Silas, and Barnabas took John Mark. But you got to have somebody on your level that can speak into your life, and if they're giving you constructive criticism, learn and grow from it. Hallelujah. As an added note to that, leaders learn from mistakes, whether it's our own mistake or somebody else's mistake. You might remember that Moses sent 12 spies into the land. Ten came back with an evil report, and two came back saying, we are well able. Well, Joshua learned from that mistake, and Joshua sent in two spies. He realized we're not going to we're not going to have all the doubters. We're not going to have all the negative. We're not going to have all of the uh, of the people like that. We're going to find the faithful and we're going to put those in leadership. A good leader learns from other leaders and sees the good, sees the bad and starts making corrections. Hallelujah. Uh, let's move on to the next portion. We're almost done. I'm going to actually finish early here today because I don't want to go into the next part. You got to have a Paul above you. You've got to have somebody who speaks in your life, whether it's a mentor. Maybe it's an elder, young man, young lady, whatever. You just find somebody. Now, they've got to be of a good report. Let me just put that out there. You, and this kind of goes into what I'm about to say. They've got to be of a good report. You can't have some knucklehead being your mentor. Amen. How about Jesus? Amen. Amen. You need Jesus too. You've got to have a Paul above you. You gotta have a mentor. You gotta have a leader above you. You gotta have a peer alongside you that's in the trenches with you that can give you honest feedback from the same battle. Because sometimes you look at the person above you and say, You don't know what I'm going through, but the person right alongside you says, I know exactly what you're going through. Amen. And so you need sometimes that Paul, that Paul needs a Silas in jail that can say, Let's sing, let's worship. We're both going through it. Hallelujah. Uh, but then you need this next level as an effective leader. You gotta have somebody under you. You've got to have a Timothy below you. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And what he's telling him is, is regardless of age, regardless of experience, don't let, anybody, don't let anybody try to hold you down because of your youth. Don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't let anybody come by and, and criticize you. He said, this is how you stop the critics. You be an example. In other words, what he's saying is leaders, get, get, get what leaders do. They lead. All right, that's a real revelation. Minds were blown right there. Leaders lead. Well, what does it mean to lead? It means to go in first. And to set the example. There's some folks that don't want to go in first and set the example for anybody. They just want to criticize everybody else that's willing to go in first. What kind of example do you set to those that will follow your leadership? What example do you set for the person that will follow in your same steps? Leadership is about influence, not authority. Let me say that again. Leadership is about influence, not authority. I know people that got to browbeat everybody and say, I'm in authority. I'm the leader. Hey, I, I'll be honest with you. I thank God for everybody that will follow me up until this point. But until you can tell people everyone wants to get on board, I'm not going to beat nobody. I'm just going to lead the way. I'm just going to plow. 
And anybody that wants to get on board is welcome to get on board. But if they don't, I understand. But a true leader says, I'm going to put my hand on the plow. I'm going to break up this fallow ground so those that come behind me, I will make a way where they can plant and the person after them can water and God can bring the increase. Somebody clap your hands and worship the Lord. Leadership is about influence, not authority. Some people only want to be leaders. You know why? Because they want to be an authority. They want to be over everyone. So they can put their thumb down on everybody. You want leadership for the wrong reasons. Leadership is about influence. Well, I want to be a leader. Let me ask you this. What's your level of influence? In other words, if no one follows you, you're not leading anybody. You're just taking a walk by yourself. Well, what's your level of influence? I want to be a leader. You got you to gotta realize maybe some people aren't following because they don't like the example that was set. So first things first, we've got to lead ourselves before leading others. We've got to be those that say, you know what, I'm going to make sure I, I get my path right so that those that follow after will want to follow. I've got to set the right kind of example that those that want to go where I'm going will look at my example and they will follow it. I'm not going to browbeat them with authority. No, I'm going to simply earn the influence in their life by investing into them. You know, some people, they, they, they are okay with having somebody over them, somebody beside them, but they think to themselves, nobody listens to me, nobody follows me, nobody looks at me. The truth is, you might be a leader and not know it. Because somebody in the church, a young man, a young lady, maybe an older person, is looking across the aisle and saying, I respect that person. And what you don't know is you got influence. You got influence. You already have it. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to browbeat anybody for it. You got the influence because the example that you set. Young men, just so you know, there's going to be some older folks that are going to look at your zeal. Amen. Well, I'm too young to be an, I'm too young to be a leader. And have, no, there's people that will look at your zeal, and they're looking at your example and saying, man, I love that young man. They've got a right spirit. They've got a right attitude. This isn't just old people and young people. Young people looking up to old people. It's vice versa. It happens all the way around. It's cyclical. Let me help out just a few folks for a moment. For those that would say, I have a ministry. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I have a ministry. You need a new definition of ministry. If you got to proclaim you got a ministry to try to prop yourself up, you need a new definition of ministry because if you don't serve, you don't have a ministry. If you don't win souls, you don't have a ministry. If you don't submit to anybody in leadership, you don't have a ministry. If you don't set a good example, you don't have a ministry. If Come on, I'm preaching real good right there. That's the qualifications. What example have you set that others can follow? Oh, lift up your hands and praise him. Let's stand all across the building and lift up our hands. I hope this is a blessing to somebody here tonight, trying to have a little fun with some folks. I, I, I hope that I'm a blessing, that I can help somebody because I believe God's called you to be a leader in God's kingdom. Hallelujah. I, I know people like that. i got a ministry. Well, do, do you influence people positively or negatively? There's some people that get influenced, it's just not good influence. Do you influence them to come to church or to stay home? Mm, hallelujah. Soul winner or soul loser, you decide. But you, 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 you got influence, but how do you use it? Because a leader looks at their influence and says, I want to use this positively for the kingdom of God. I want to use this influence to help others get closer to Jesus, not further away. I want to use this influence to cause my brother to worship in prison, to pray in prison, and to get out of prison, not to stay there, to mope, to complain. I want to use my influence positively. A true leader will have somebody above them, somebody on their level, but they'll also be working on somebody below them. A true leader empowers others to become your position of authority or influence is not there so you can be above them and they can be under your feet. No, it's there so they can stand on your shoulders. Use your power wisely by giving it to somebody else. Invest in others. Put the proper tools in their hands. Train them. Set them up for success. What a novel idea in the generation that's all about me. What if we looked at leadership less about me? And more about them. Not how can I increase my ministry. 
I told a young man the other day, I said, I, I don't say I have a ministry because it ain't mine. I don't have a ministry. I have a calling. And God and I and my wife, this is our ministry. And so, Lord, if I ever get in the way, you go ahead and move me out of your ministry. <laughs> you go ahead and take me out. But, God, as long as I'm in that position working with the hand of God, I want to help set everybody else that I can up for success so when you call them, you can use them. When you call them, you can anoint them. Not because I pushed them down, held them down, but because I lifted them up. People are not your stepping stones. No. They're they're often the person you put on your shoulders, the kid that you hold so they can see above where they are. Let me help somebody. If you do all the work, you're not leading. You're just a hard worker. Hallelujah. you got to have somebody underneath you. That's the next level of leadership in ARC is getting a downline of people that it's not just one leader doing everything. Hallelujah. Hey, let me just tell you right now, I'm not that talented or good looking. I don't have all the abilities. I can't do everything even if I wanted to. But even if I could, I will not. I'll tell you why. Because if I do everything, then there are no more leaders being developed. God wants a church full of leaders. And when God gets a church full of leaders, you know what he does? He builds on them. And the church grows and the church expands. We're talking about the expanding kingdom this year. My dad always put it this way. Train yourself out of a job. Well, I don't like the ministry or the the leadership role I'm in right now. Okay, well, you could just quit. That's fine. That makes sense. Or you can get somebody underneath you, train them how to do it better than you do it, and God can exalt them, and because you were faithful in the little, God can move you to something else. Hallelujah. A good leader gathers, doesn't scatter. A good leader takes people and says, how can I help them improve and become? It doesn't say, how can they help me become? No, a good leader is looking for a way to serve. It's looking for a way to give. And I'm telling you, we are in a church full of leaders. I'm done teaching. I got more we can teach. But why don't we lift up our hands and let's pray all across the building. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. This is a good atmosphere here today. How many wants to be more of what God is calling them to be? How many wants to go to another level and the church go to another level? It starts with leadership. It starts with leadership. God, help me to, help me to be an excellent leader. Help me to go and be the best leader that I can be. Somebody pray. Oh, let's worship the Lord all across the building. I want to open up this altar. Let's come and let's take a moment to pray. This is our opportunity to say, Lord, I want to be the best leader that I can be. Maybe you've got to pray, God, I've got to have somebody above me, somebody that can speak into my life. Maybe you've got to say, God, I-, I want to have peers alongside of me. Go ahead. Pray with somebody else and say, you're my brother, you're my sister. And maybe you're saying, God, you've developed me to the place. I need to find somebody underneath me that I can help lead closer to you, God. I want to serve. I want to give. I didn't come to receive. No, I came to be a blessing. I came to serve. I came to give of myself, of my time, of my energy, of everything, God, to help leaders become. Oh, let's pray. Let's pray. God's developing leaders in the house of God. Good leaders, qualified leaders, good spirited leaders. I'm telling you, they've already been elevated they're being elevated you're, you're, you're you might be on a pew right now but god's elevating you god's elevating you he sees your attitude he sees your spirit he's saying i can use that i can use that i can bless that
God's calling leaders up. It's in you. It's in you. He's already put it there. He's going to exalt you. He's going to exalt you. Because he's got a plan for you. across the building. I want to be what you're calling me to be, God. God's got a plan for you. God's got a gifting for you. God's got a calling for you. Hallelujah, Lord. And I say yes. I say yes to the process. I say yes to the calling. I say yes to becoming what you're calling me to be.